3: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
4: Fan text line brought to you by Edgar Snyder and Associates, a personal injury law firm where they always say there's never a fee unless we get money for you. And uh, let's go out to the fan hotline, which is presented by Sullivan super service, Pittsburgh's trusted plumbing and HVAC provider for over 50 years. And we're joined by our, by our pal, Mike DeFabo from the athletic. Hi, Mike, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. I'm in St. Louis right now.
5: And Uh-oh. I would like to use this opportunity and platform to campaign for Uncle of the Year. Uh so I'm I'm visiting my brothers and they don't have TV. So I to watch the Super Bowl, obviously, I took his three daughters, ages one, two or one, three, and six to a sports bar. And we're running around the sports bar, they're throwing darts, they're shooting hoops, basically acting like little kids and like right in the middle of a sports bar. So Uh, Yeah, I don't know where I pick up my award, but I think that that should qualify me for Uncle of the Year.
4: You know, I I feel like when you started to say that you took them to watch the Super Bowl, but then you said, I took a one-year-old, three-year-old, and six-year-old into a sports bar. (laughs) Some people might not view that as Uncle of the Year, but I'm actually on your side. I think that's a great move by you.
5: Well, it was actually pretty good because the— oldest one stayed with me for one half the rest of them went home after a quarter Ah. and so you know she was interested because she was with her uncle mike and then (laughs) we could play games in between um i'm not so sure the other people around were so thrilled about a screaming baby in the middle of the super bowl (laughs) but (laughs) it was good to get out of the house for a minute now
4: did the six-year-old is uh, she aware of the taylor swift was she looking for taylor swift is she into that
5: well, she kept just saying all the older kids at her school love Taylor Swift. Okay. She didn't know what all the hype was about.
4: All right. I, there's probably a lot of people that don't understand all the, what all the hype is about, and they're much older than six years old. Um, Mike, how impressive are the Chiefs? I mean, my goodness, w- with what Mahomes is able to do, I mean, I was just talking here in the first hour of the show, it, it just feels like it's so insurmountable for the Steelers to get to that point, right? Like, if you don't have a guy that's really close to being like him – And even if you do, it feels like it's going to be really difficult to beat them. I mean, how do the Steelers conquer that massive, massive mountain in front of them when you talk about a team like the Chiefs?
5: Well, the Chiefs are a dynasty in the true sense of the word. And it goes, you know, obviously Patrick Mahomes is, I think, where it starts. We had to do our staff predictions at the Athletic, and they asked to give... Like, what's your prediction and what's your reasoning? And I literally just submitted Patrick Mahomes, period, and then sent that in as my entry. <laughs> um, but but the truth is, like, they've got Andy Reid, who's one of the best play callers in the game, and offensive minds, innovative offensive minds. And you saw it with that, uh, the way that they use that motion to their advantage late in the game. Um, you know, then they've got Steve Spagnuolo, the, the great defensive mind there. And they did such a good job of restocking their team with, quality defensive players. Like they won the Super Bowl when they had one of the worst defenses in the league, but then they were wise enough to continue to invest to have a very balanced team. So they can just beat you in so many different number of ways. And so for this for the Steelers it's tough because like I said, this is a dynasty and this the Steelers I've often thought like how many Super Bowls would they have won if they were able to overcome the Patriots or if the Patriots didn't right. exist or if Tom Brady walked away? And I think that that's what every team in the AFC is going to be saying to themselves. Like, I think the Ravens are going to be sitting there saying, man, we never got over the hump. We never were able to win it. So, like, what's the answer for the Steelers? They've, they've made no bones about it. They think that they need to continue to improve the quarterback play. I mean, it's a quarterback-driven league. They have to fix this broken offense. And whether that's Arthur Smith getting something out of Kenny Pickett that we haven't seen, whether that's a trade for somebody like Justin Fields, whether that's signing a free agent like Kirk Cousins, or whether that's drafting a young guy moving up in the draft, you know, something has to be the solution. And until the Steelers find an answer quarterback, they're not going to be a
4: real competitor. Well, Mike, what is the best path forward do you think here? Is it go make a splash move for Justin Fields? Is it sign Tannehill maybe to back up pickett and try to be somewhat of a mentor to him or maybe a, a fail safe? Or is it keep Mason Rudolph around? and let those two battle and, and try to get the best out of them via competition. Like, out of those three options, which appear to be probably the, the three options on the table for them, at least what we've seen so far, which one makes the most sense? Yeah, uh, I, I think that the one that,
5: like, it's the highest risk, but the highest reward would be trading for Justin Fields. And, and I think you could get him for maybe a second-round pick, um, which, which would be something, but, you know, not a, not a first-rounder. And, and what you'd be betting on there is that he's, he's been in the league for a couple of years and you're not getting a guy as raw as a rookie. You're going to come in and you're going to put him in a good environment with a run heavy offense. You're not going to ask him to have it all on his shoulders and he's going to have a great defense. And the hope would be that you just continue to develop him and, and unlock something. Now the drawback is he is one of the more volatile passers in the league. And I don't have the stats sitting right in front of me, but turnover wise, he turns it over a ton. He's near the top of the league in his first three years. So like, especially fumbling, which is a big part of his game is running the football. So, so that's something that I'm not sure the Steelers have decided they have the appetite for that because it seemed like their approach this year was, we're going to do everything we can not to turn the football over. Yeah. Their goal was not to score points. Their goal was to not turn the football over. Well, if you bring in Justin Fields you're going to have to be willing to live with the bad and also that comes with the good, and, and that would be really, I think, the 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 biggest thing. Now, what do I think the most likely option is? I think the most likely is they bring in Tannehill and they start with Pickett and they hope that Arthur Smith gets something out of him. If he doesn't, they turn to Tannehill, hoping that he can, you know, produce something similar to 2019, 2020 when the Titans did have the the 10th best and the fifth best best offense under Arthur Smith. So there is some history there. Um, but again you know I think those are kind of the options the way I see it at the current situation
4: Mike uh, we're talking with Mike DeFabo Mike let's um, the Steelers made some news today obviously they released three players Mitch Trubisky Chooks for Presley Harvin let's um, let's start with Trubisky why did it not work out here it seemed like at the very least a very safe move for them and it Maybe a best possible scenario, he figures it out and, and plays really well for them and maybe becomes, you know, a longer-term option. Neither of those really worked out, and, and it kind of became a disastrous time, a disastrous couple of seasons with the Steelers.
6: Well,
5: unfortunately for Mitch Trubisky, I think this is just who he is. You know, he was he was a guy that, you know, he played in the ACC and had pretty decent numbers. Um, and, and people, I think, were sold on him kind of out of nowhere – And I think he just never lived up to the projections. And I was surprised. You know, I thought that he would come here. This was going to be his last chance to prove to the NFL he could be a starting quarterback. The Steelers gave him one of the better defenses in the league. They didn't ask a lot of him. He was going to just manage a run-heavy offense. And he wasn't able to do that. And and I felt like, you know, the three games that they lost in the middle of the season, if you remember, he came in in relief in the one and started the other two. And that really sealed, sealed his fate where, you know, I think he was trying to prove something to the league by taking some risks and taking some chances, and it really backfired with as much as he turned the football over. Um, so I think just unfortunately he he just kind of didn't live up to his billing, and now I guess the best hope for him, he goes somewhere else, he gets an opportunity to be the backup, maybe with a, another opportunity, you know, different offensive coordinator, uh, maybe he can have a little more success or at least prove he should be a, a backup quarterback because right now, you know, I I wouldn't even want him as a third quarterback on my roster.
4: Yeah, I would agree uh, with that. I think just the risk taking was what you feared with the guy, and it's what he ended up doing, despite being in an offense that really did not want him to do just that. Uh, Might they also got rid of Chukwukor for today? Um, I, you know, probably not a a major surprise considering they benched the guy during the season for apparently saying. Something uh, reportedly along the lines of "We should just kneel this thing out towards the end of a game." Mike Tomlin sat him down. It sounds like, uh, but he was owed a, a decent bit of money, right? This will this will save them some.
5: Yeah, yeah. That's. I think it's a combination of things. Like it's it's a pretty damning indictment of him that they put in Broderick Jones and suddenly the running game took off. Um, you know, and that, and then you you add on to that whatever kind of comment he made in in whatever, you know, inside the locker room, do you really want a disgruntled guy? And then the amount of money he was making, I think he was making around uh, $11 million, I think yeah. is what he was set to make. They don't recoup all of that, um, but you get some of that back. So, you know, you, you do need um, some backup offensive linemen, and, and that's now becoming uh, an area of need for the Steelers. But, you know, you can use that money that you've now saved in another way to, to address that position, so I th- again, yeah, I think it was just all those combination of factors. He became one of those guys you just had to get uh, let go of.
4: Mike, they certainly didn't waste much time getting rid of Presley Harvin. I mean, he doesn't really—I mean, at least as far as we know right now—doesn't even get an opportunity to compete at camp next year for a job. If they're so down on him after the season ends, why do they not just make a move during the year and bring another punter in?
5: Well, I, I think you know you. I, at practice, the weird thing was honestly in practice. I'm not just making this up, and and I'm not trying to defend the guy and protect the guy. He really punted very well, and Tomlin like would stand there at practices, and after every single punt, be like, like that that's it, Presley, like way to go, and like guys are literally ooing and awing over his punts. And so I think with him, it's, it's a situation where he won the Ray Guy Award as the best punter in college football coming out. They spent a seventh round pick on him. So they felt like they were a little bit pot committed there. And then you saw the upside and it was like, man, if this guy could just ever figure it out, he's, he's going to be, you know, a a piece of this team for another decade. Um, But he just never figured it out. And like, I don't have to explain it to the listeners. It's kind of wild, but he may have been the most disliked man in Pittsburgh, or like one of the most disliked players in Pittsburgh or the one that frustrated fans the most. And for good reason, because Mike Tomlin will sit up there in his press conferences and, con- and will open his press conferences by talking about the field position component. And if it's significant enough that he opens a press conference by talking about the field position component, then it's necessary to make a move to, to improve that.
4: Yeah, it's just interesting that that was always such a big topic for Mike Tomlin, and yet, you know, in bad weather playoff game, bad weather playoff game, and week 17, you know, there was Presley Harvin still out there punting in those conditions you can't find another guy on the scrap heap of punters to do better than the guy that has clearly proven to not be good it's 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 just strange from a front office standpoint that they continue to stand by him despite the very clear results mike should Kyle Shanahan have uh, should he have taken the ball or not there to start the overtime i, I know he's kind of getting killed for it today but what are your thoughts on on his decision making there to take the football to start overtime
5: yeah, I mean, I would have um, wanted to have the ball second, possess the ball second, because then it's like in college football. You want to you know what you need to get. Um, so he hamstrung himself yeah. there. I guess the only way to defend him is, if I'm not mistaken, um, his defense had just been on the field for a long time. Is that right?
4: Yeah. And,
5: and so that, that does make some logical sense. And, and like, if the 49ers had stopped, The Chiefs when they ran that triple option um, Mahomes run on fourth and one we wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation so you know we'd we'd instead be talking about how the Steelers should have hired someone from the 49ers tree and how (laughs) Shanahan's this genius coach and everything he touches turns to gold Um, so so it's Mm -hmm. kind of funny how one decision can really be scrutinized but yeah I I certainly would have wanted to receive the ball second and know what I would have needed to win the football game. I think that would have been the, the better
4: approach there. Did you like Usher at halftime?
5: I did. I saw a meme today that was like, unless you illegally downloaded some of these songs from LimeWire in middle school, I don't want to hear your opinions on the halftime show, which is totally accurate because I think that, like, there's a clear line in the sand. Everybody over 40 years old hated it, and everybody younger hated uh, was a fan. I'm, I liked when he came out on roller skates
4: too. That was pretty wild. Yeah. I, yeah. Apparently that is a thing with him. Like he, Oh really? He enjoys roller skating and uh-huh. he can, he can, that's, that's, that's not the first time I believe that man has strapped on the, the roller skates and, and done music.
5: Well, it sounds like a little collab Disney on ice is, is uh, yeah. on the table or something like that. But yeah, no, I, I very much enjoyed it. I thought it was a good time. Cause he's like, it's party music and it appeals to a broad audience, and especially people of our age who remember, like, you know, drinking the cheapest light beer out of solo cups in sweaty parties in college, listening to this music. Yeah. I think it brought back some great memories.
4: Yeah. I mean, yeah, takes me back to high school for sure. I mean, that was the. That was the jam of the era really there, so I, I did enjoy it as well. Mike, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Enjoy St. Louis. Thanks for uh, taking some time, and we'll talk again soon, buddy. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. Mike DeFabo from The Athletic joining us there. I said it earlier, and we're going to talk a little bit more as we go here about you know the all everything that surrounded the Super Bowl last night, you know, celebrities, and commercials, Taylor Swift, and Usher. It's it's not that I enjoyed Usher taking his shirt off, but that's just that corresponded with when the show got good. I didn't I was not having a lot. I, I wasn't enjoying it until that moment in the show. And then it's like, all right, you could tell like he took the shirt off and he became an entertainer at that point. He's kind of doing his he was dancing a little bit. It was just it, it just wasn't I wasn't feeling it. And then he got into it more. And then the stage turned to fire and he was singing Burn, which was like that was, Joel, you don't know, you're too young to know this, Joel. That was the song right there. I mean, yeah, it was the party song, but Burn, you gotta let it burn. That was there were good times had by people listening to that song. If you know what I'm saying. That that was a and that that's when the show started to pick up, and then the roller skates came out and that like, the roller skates were, I was stunned by that. Then you had Little John and Ludacris. I mean, that's when it really started to kick into the gear, though. Alicia Keys was good too. She Alicia Keys doesn't miss, she just doesn't miss. You could bring her out at any show ever, and people would be like, yeah, that's there's Alicia Keys. She's she's great. But Ludacris stole the show to me. Stole the show. Uh, Thanks to Mike DeFable for joining us. Fan Twitter brought to you by South Hills Kia in Peters Township. Visit them at SouthHillsKia.net. Interesting for Mike there. His thought is Justin Fields. That's the best path forward is just bite the bullet. Admit your flaw, admit your mistake with Kenny Pickett, and say, on to the next. Go make a move. Bring in a guy that I think does have upside, but I'm sort of, you know, cautiously optimistic. It probably isn't the, the word, it's more just cautious. <laughs> I'm just, I am not sold on Justin Fields, the turnover component of it. I, I, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of bad quarterbacks that have come from the Bears, and the Steelers just had one, and he was horrendous, and maybe I'm just sort of living with that in the back of my brain, but I, I I don't love the idea. Let's get your thoughts. 412-928-9370. We'll talk more about that. What is the right path for the Steelers? I think there's three options right now. Three clear options for them on what they could do going forward with the QB position, and we'll talk about that when we return. I'm Josh Rountree here on the Fan Evening Show.
3: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
4: All right, thanks again to Mike DeFabo from The Athletic for joining us. And uh, let's keep that conversation going with the quarterback situation right now. And, um, you know, I think we're going to hear a lot. And by the way, there is a little Steelers uh, breaking news right now. Uh, Eddie Faulkner, running back coach, going to be retained. And I think that's a good move because what he has done with a guy like Jalen Warren has been really, really good. You know, some will say maybe Najee Harris was uh, a bit of a disappointment through his first Couple of years in the NFL, but he's also put up some some damn good numbers too. But I think overall, Eddie Faulkner's done a really nice job at the running back position, and he was the one guy really on that offense that I, I thought they would keep, and I thought they should keep. And uh, sure enough, it sounds like uh, he he will be kept. And that is a report that is out tonight. I don't think the team officially has announced anything along those lines, but uh, uh, who is this? Jordan Schultz, Schultz Report, and Bleacher Report, saying that Eddie Faulkner uh, will be retained and extended. But I look at this as there's really three ways forward here with the Steelers and the quarterback position. Coming off the Super Bowl last night, the question's going to be how do you get to the point that you can maybe compete in that game that we saw these teams compete in last night it's it's going to take a lot and i'm not overly optimistic about it but how do you get there now i get what mike DeFabo said that school of thought is probably the one that will get you there if you want to if you want to take your best shot the, the biggest risk, if you will, the biggest gamble, that is Justin Fields. And it might be a second-round pick. But here are the other two options. You know, One is you trade for Justin Fields. Kenny Pickett is the backup to Justin Fields. That's Justin Fields. You don't trade a second-round pick and bring him here if you're not going to to start him. It's not a competition. It's not a debate. He's not backing anybody up. He. If you're trading a second-round pick, potentially, he is the starter. So, fine. The other options are, let's say, Ryan Tannehill. You bring in Ryan Tannehill, a guy that has been a successful NFL starting quarterback in the past, former first-round pick. Maybe a guy whose career is somewhat looking like Kenny Pickett's, or at least you hope that it will. Kind of a rough time at the start links up with Arthur Smith as his offensive coordinator and a little bit of magic happens. He could be a good role model, a, a good example for a guy like Pickett. And the other option is Mason Rudolph. You bring back Mason Rudolph, Kenny Pickett gets the opportunity first to, you know, essentially claim his job back. But it is an open Total complete competition. Mike DeFabo sides on Justin Fields. You make a splash move like that. If you're going, if you're looking to try to get to that point, if you're looking to take the risk of getting this roster, this team to the point of being a playoff and potentially AFC contender and maybe a Super Bowl contender, that might be the risky move that you have to make to get there. And I I, I get that. I'm more leaning towards Tannehill. I think there's only so much you can do with, uh, really, Kenny Pickett right now, but I think there's only so much you can do with Mason Rudolph and Kenny Pickett in that combo. I also think that it's a naturally unhealthy situation from the very beginning if that's what you do. Mason Rudolph won people over, clearly, at the end of this year. He won his teammates over. He won a lot of fans over a lot of fans who already liked the guy I think were able to say oh look at that see there what did i say but i i look at this and think justin fields to me it, it doesn't it's just not going to put you over the top it could make you better maybe you can go win a playoff game but can you can you win it all Really, with Justin Fields? I don't think so. Can you win the AFC with Justin Fields? I really don't think so. Can you do that with Kenny Pickett? I don't think so either, but I'm not trading a second round pick to have Kenny Pickett and Ryan Tannehill here. It might cost you a little money to bring Tannehill in, but it's not going to cost you assets. I mean, a second round pick can be something. You know, if we're talking about a fifth round pick for Justin Fields or a fourth round pick, Okay, maybe I'm considering making that move, but if you're trading a fourth-round pick for a guy, that means that there's not a lot of value for him, and I think there's more value than that for Justin Fields, and it's probably going to be a second. And, and I would have to entertain that, obviously, but I don't know that that makes you that much better to the point that you, th- that you think that it would, essentially. Rudolph brings with it, with him and bringing him back and with that situation, I think you're just splitting your locker room from the very start. And I think it very quickly very quickly, would turn right back into what we heard and what we saw at the end of the year, and that's guys want Mason Rudolph. If you let Rudolph go, and look, Mason Rudolph can only be so good. And I know, look, look, it was a good Final Four games. It was solid. He can only be so good. I still think there's a higher upside if Kenny Pickett gets a chance to develop with the right OC, and we haven't seen that, and maybe it's the part of me that thinks, you know, let's not cast something aside when we haven't given it a fair shot, and I do think that that's the case potentially with Pickett. Now, I am as... I am not nearly as sold on Kenny Pickett being a good NFL quarterback as I have been in the past. And if you've heard my shows, you know I've been a Pickett supporter. I I still think he has the chance at being a decent NFL quarterback, but I want to see the guy with an actual offensive coordinator, which Arthur Smith is. I'm not huge on the Arthur Smith hiring, but good Lord, is he better than Matt Canada? And that's why I would probably at this point – Even though I don't love the move as far as, you know, the potential that it brings to the Steelers as far as a contender in 2024, I would still probably bring Tannehill in with Arthur Smith with the hopes that that combination can save Kenny Pickett's career. Because Tannehill is not going to make you a contender. Mason Rudolph's not going to make you a contender. And I don't think Justin Fields is either, so I'm just going to go with what I have essentially at that point, but adding in the variable of the veteran outside presence to maybe help spark the younger quarterback. This is not an ideal situation. Don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here beating down the door saying they have to keep Kenny Pickett as the number one quarterback. I know, know sitting on the fence ain't exactly good in this business, but I am not ardently in one camp or another in favor or not in favor of Kenny Pickett getting another chance here. I understand why you might say, hey, we've seen enough. I also understand the side that thinks this guy had the worst offensive coordinator in football, and we did not develop him correctly enough here in Pittsburgh. Maybe we give him one more chance with a new OC in order to do that. Let's go to Ezra in Atlanta here on the fan. What's up, Ezra?
2: Hey, what's going on, man? Um, I just want to say to Steeler Nation, we reached when we drafted Kenny. We were thinking about the 83 Marino. We just reached when we drafted him. You know what I mean? Kenny, I get it. He's had terrible OC. But, man, Kenny has had weapons. And – one of the things I say about Kenny when I try to debate about him is, Pat Fryermuth was literally on the verge of becoming a, one of the best tight ends in the league, and Kenny's inability—because yeah, you could say it's Matt Canada telling him don't throw across the field in the middle of the field—but Kenny's inability to make to put Fryermuth on that upper echelon level of tight ends. That's why I judge Kenny so hard because he hasn't made our tight end as great as he can be. If we bring in Justin Fields, who knows? If we bring Ryan Tannehill, who knows, right? If we move up in the draft and get Penix, who knows? But we
4: know let, with Kenny. Let Ezra, let me ask you a question. Who's the Bears' tight end? Uh,
2: don't know. Don't know.
4: Okay. So but what makes what, you believe that I'm Justin saying. Fields can make Pat Fryermuth better than Kenny Pickett has? If you can't even name the, and I'm not, I'm not giving no, you a hard okay. time, but I'm just, I'm just saying here, like the, the examples that you're using against Kenny Pickett can also be used against Justin Fields here. Who has he made better?
2: Okay, but the thing with Justin Fields is he's playing for the Bears, an organization that is so unstable. They keep a turnover rate at head coach OCs. What yeah, I'm saying, you're right? Is with Kenny, with Kenny, we at least know now, he's not going to find the tight end. You know, and that's like, like, look what happened with Travis and KC the last couple of years. The tight end right now is the most important friend of a quarterback. Well, that's look, I look, believe. Ezra,
4: I, I appreciate the call. We got to run because we got uh, other calls and a break to get to. Um, the one thing that I will say uh, t- to your point there, the first game after Matt Canada got fired, Who did Kenny Pickett help make the star of that game? It was Pat Fryermuth. Pat Fryermuth was open, over the middle, and Pickett was hitting him. And they had their first 400-yard game since the hiring of Matt Canada the week after Matt Canada got fired. So, clearly Pickett is able to hit the tight end position. He did it. How much of it was, A, Canada's system – and B, and I think more importantly here with Friar his lack of ability to stay on the field because the guy gets hurt a lot. He, he was banged up all year. He has been banged up throughout his career. He is an injury-prone player, an injury-prone tight end, and he is talented, but I think the injuries have cost him more as far as his career outlook and production. His injuries have cost him more than the quarterback has cost him. I agree with you. Like I thought, the guy was was going in a pretty good direction. He's also a terrible run blocker, by the way. So when we start talking about you know best tight ends in football heading in that direction, that's something that Kenny Pickett doesn't affect at all. That Matt Canada doesn't affect at all. I mean, that guy gets dog walked from one side of the line of scrimmage to the other regularly. Run play after run play. It, it happens. So, in that standpoint. I'm not going to sit here and say the guy was destined to be a great NFL tight end. By the way, Cole Komet is the tight end for the Bears. Had a decent year. Six touchdowns, 719 receiving yards. Had a decent year. And I'm not – I wasn't trying to to get on Ezra there. But my point is, if if your point is, well, Kenny Pickett doesn't do this for his receivers – Does Justin Fields make everybody else better? I mean, maybe. DJ Moore was decent for them. Cole Komet put up some numbers, but that wasn't a great offense. You don't look at the Bears and say, boy, that's it right there. For a large part of their season, for five games, Tyson Bajan was playing quarterback, and people were like, oh, this guy maybe has some upside, and then they they didn't. All right, we got to hit a break. I know we have some of you uh, on the line here. We'll get to you. On the other side, I promise you that um, as uh, we'll, we'll come back with more here on the fan uh, fan weather brought to you by South Hills Kia in Peters Township. You can visit them online at South We'll take a break when we come back. More of your calls. I'm Josh Rountree. It's fan evening show.
7: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?
4: 50-minute mark on the fan is brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Route 19 in Peters Township celebrating 50 years in the South Hills. Uh, let's go back to the phone lines and uh, we'll go to Ted in Bethel Park up next. Hi, Ted. Ted.
0: Hello. Ted, what's up? Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Ted. How are you? Good, good. I am... Um... We're just calling about the quarterback situation for Pittsburgh. Yeah. I was very happy when they drafted Kenny Pickett. But after this past um, year, when they asked him if he learned anything from Mason Rudolph, and he said no, me being a semi-fan, or a big fan, learned that he should step up into the pocket and throw the ball instead of spinning into the sacks. And secondly,
4: well, uh, Ted, let me address I, um, that. Let me let me let me grab that first point, and then I'll let you go. I I think the comment okay. it wasn't necessarily I, the question that Pickett got was not did you learn anything from Mason Rudolph. It was did you learn anything being on the sideline. To which Pickett said, "No." I think those are different. Th- there's different contexts there with the way that you f- you framed it. I, it was did you learn anything on the sideline? I agree with you in a sense. It was a little bit disappointing to hear a guy say I didn't learn anything being in that position and I get what you're saying there but the question was more did you learn anything by being on the sideline as opposed to being in the game and pickett said no to that but please continue.
0: And and yes um I think I'm, I really don't truly really think Mitch Trubisky got over when he first signed with Pittsburgh and had all everybody down into to his home in Florida and that young man got killed. I don't really think he got over that. And I think that may have something to do. I'm sure that plays on his mind some at some point. Maybe.
4: Uh yeah, I don't know, Ted. Appreciate the call. Uh you're talking about, you know, Dwayne Haskins uh, you know, the tragic, you know, death down there in Florida. I don't know. I mean, I think it's a fair question to ask. I I've never, to be honest, really thought of it that way i i've never thought like hey was mitch trubisky maybe impacted by what happened when those guys were down there you know working out with him um i think we sort of just look at it and say guys move on but you know there's there's maybe legitimacy to that i i don't know and and we never will know because i don't think mitch would ever you know or at least not immediately talk about if that played a role in and what happened and you know obviously it's a terrible situation. Um But I don't know. There might be something to that. Uh, Jim in Monroeville, next on the fan. Hi, Jim. Uh, Thank
6: you for taking my call. Um, You know, I'm I'm one of the people in Pittsburgh. I'm glad that Tomlin keeps this team competitive. I know there's a lot of people out there that would argue otherwise. But um, for once, and I I mean this, for once, I think this is the least competitive team. Um, I, I don't care what they did towards the end of the year with Mason Rudolph. Um, I, I, I don't care who the quarterback is, uh, right now, what we have, uh, it's, it's not going to get us to 500 next year. And I, I, you know, I don't have a problem with Arthur Smith, but here's the issue I do have, you know, he's not going to have really a top notch quarterback. So here he is again in a situation where he's not going to have that guy behind the center. And I just hope that the organization understands that, uh, and, and, realizes that hey you know 2024 likely 2025 they're going to be drafting a quarterback again and I think this might be the year where this team falls under 500 and you know what it's about time it has to happen that's how you build teams you have to lose you know it happens to every organization and Steelers are no exception
4: Jim thanks for the call I I don't I don't disagree with you um <sighs> I just think you're going to have a really hard time trying to convince Mike Tomlin and the Steelers that they need to go tank. And, and, and I don't think... I respect the fact that they constantly are relevant and that as a fan, I can watch the hometown team into Week 16 and 17 every year and they're playing meaningful football and it has my attention. Like I, I, I can respect that. I can The problem is if that's the only time that you're really intrigued by the team is in the regular season, and then once it gets to the postseason, it's not that intriguing anymore because there's clearly a gap between what they have and what everybody else has. And that's, I think, the frustrating part of all of this is, and when we talk about the quarterback situation, whether it's Kenny Pickett, whether it's Mason Rudolph, whether it's Ryan Tannehill, whether it's Justin Fields all of it seems like it, it's fine for the regular season and it gives the, all of those guys can give them a shot maybe at being competitive and making the playoffs none of those guys make me believe that they can go win in the playoffs that they can make a deep a deep run that's why in my standpoint i would rather just stay with what you have maybe Kenny Pickett you you, you strike lightning with them i don't know maybe something happens but to me You're in the same boat no matter which of those quarterbacks is under center for you next year. It might be varying degrees of anywhere from mediocrity to average to a slightly above average, but none of it is terrible and none of it is great. It's just that purgatory sort of area where they are just treading water right now as an organization and – I don't know how you get out of that other than like, like we just heard they might have to just tank at some point and go get that great next quarterback, but they're not going to do that. And I don't think that we should expect them to have to do that as long as they are staying relative, but that might be what it takes that, that it might just be what it takes for them to figure it out as an organization from the quarterback position, because Right now, drafting twentieth every year, I just don't think you're going to find what you're looking for there, unless you get really, really fortunate. It can happen, but you're going to have to get fortunate. Paul in a Trona Heights on the fan. Hi, Paul.
2: Hi, Josh. Just wanted to tell, just want to compliment you on how entertaining you are to listen to. Oh, you're very you. well prepared. You're very well prepared at what you do. And I personally feel you're going to go places in this industry. Uh, you're very good at the pirate postgame stuff that you do too. Um, uh, Thank my, you, Paul. My feeling about my feeling about the quarterbacks is uh, Tannehill is not going to sign you. He's going to want to start somewhere. Uh, I've heard Russell Wilson's name a lot. He's a piece washed up. Yep. Um, the other quarterback, I don't. I have no confidence in Justin Fields whatsoever.